Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Over the Line. This is your uh, Wednesday, October 20th, 2001 edition, and I am so glad you are here with us. Uh, this is uh, This is getting hard for me. Doing this podcast is getting hard for me. Um, basically because I'm having such a hard time with keeping up with all the crises across the country. There's a new one every day, every single day. And honestly, just to be transparent with you guys, it's, it's kind of depressing because as I talk to y'all about these problems that face this country, problems that that your own household faces, we're facing the same thing. Which you know that. You know I'm I'm not immune to those things. Why would I be? But it's a lot of stress. I share in the same stress that you guys, uh, you guys deal with. And so there are days where I'm like, man, I don't even want to do it. I don't even want to get on here. But uh, we do it anyway. We do it. We push forward, and it's because of you guys who continue to support this show on a regular basis. Uh, we do that. So here we are. Even though we don't want to be here, here, here we are. Uh, and plenty of stuff to go over today. Uh, off the top, before I get into anything else, there was an update on the whole Gabby Petito case and, and Brian... Uh, laundry and all that, and, and I've got, here's the thing, I've I've got my opinions on it. It is absolutely a tragedy that that happened, but it almost came at such a convenient time to be one big distraction for, for the country from other things that were happening, awful, awful things that were happening across the country and across the world. I'll get into that in a second. I don't go too too deep off in the weeds right off the bat, but uh, the FBI has apparently found human remains along with belongings belonging to Brian Laundry uh, out in I I guess the um oh, what was the um the name of the place? Let me see here. I got a Fox News report. I can't remember exactly where this is at but how about we just find out together after a gold bond commercial <laughs> it's always something uh again i haven't been paying much attention to it because i felt like it was a big distraction but nonetheless they have footage apparently of brian laundry's parents that were with police on this manhunt now, from what I understand, is that the laundry parents yesterday finally decided to start working with the police in finding their son. They then, I guess, go on a search with him as of today, and all of a sudden they find his belongings and they find these human remains that a lot of people are speculating are the remains of Brian Laundry. So what that means, he killed himself or whatever the case, would not be surprising. But I think that's a 
pretty big coincidence that the 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 parents finally say, "Okay, fine, we'll do it. We'll help you look for him." And then they find the stuff. Like if that's the case, it makes the FBI look really bad. Makes the FBI look pretty incompetent, which is pretty easy to do these days over the past, you know, eight or nine months. Nonetheless, they're going to hold a, a press conference or provide some sort of update as to what this is. They're giving no details on it. So, and so forth. Again, I, I can't help but go back to, make, to, to say this is one big convenient distraction. And it may very well just be a coincidence. Uh, but this grabbed, uh, this grabbed the nation's attention at just the most convenient time for those in power to be able to take the heat off of them. But now it's coming back around. Why? Because people are paying more at the pump. Because people are paying more for food. Because people can't find food in their grocery stores. Because Christmas is coming up and they're not even going to be able to buy their kids and their family members gifts because there's going to be nothing on the shelf. And because they have less money, their dollar is worth less. They're paying more at the pump, so they're bringing home less money. There's just one thing after another. I I want to get into the, to this food shortage and this whole transportation fiasco here in a second. Let me remind you first about Vapor Forge out on 280 Highway 280, 4673 Highway 280 East in Birmingham, next to Bailey Brothers. If you haven't been there, go support them. If you're supporting Vapor Forge, you're supporting this show, and we will, as always, love you. Long time for that. Also, don't forget about patreon.com slash Andrew McLean, who easy ways to give to the show and contribute. All that money goes right back into the show. Whatever we got to do, we hook it up. And then there's Andrew McLean. Uh, sorry, what is it? Linktree.com slash Andrew McLean, who provides all those links for you, whatever you need. It's all there from all the social medias to Patreon and everything else. The big news today that I, that I heard uh, being repeated over and over was this new record-breaking uh, ships, a number of ships that are anchored in Los Angeles are waiting to get into the, the Long Beach ports. 100 ships. Now, I don't know the math on this, but the fact that a hundred ships are out in the bay waiting just to get to the port to unload the goods that they have. Seems like a pretty big deal. hundred doesn't seem like a big number when you're just hit with it out of nowhere, right? It's a hundred. I mean, at least it's not a thousand. But you're talking about a hundred ships full, full of goods that would normally be pouring into this country on a regular basis, on a daily basis. You're talking about, uh, I, I, again, I don't have the numbers. I don't, I don't know how much are on each one of these ships, but I got to imagine it's a lot because before this, I think they would uh, dock and unload like somewhere between 15 and 30 ships a day, right? And you've got a hundred that can't even get to the docks to get unloaded. This is insane. It's so insane. What about the people that work on these ships? What about the captains and the crew? What are they doing? I heard I was listening to uh, Leland Live a little earlier, and he had a caller that mentioned reports of these people on the boat, these shipping crews that are having to. 
fish right there in the bay to have something to eat. Because think about it. They can't, they can't jump off the boat and run over to Chick-fil-A. They've got so much that they took with them to survive a trip that they planned on lasting a certain amount of time, and here they are stuck just sitting in the ocean because of the incompetence of those in power. The incompetence of the Biden administration, the Transportation Department, and a lack of any sort of understanding about how any of this works. How we keep the economy rolling. We could not have a bigger bunch of bozos in charge than we have right now. Seriously. And we all should have been prepared for this, and I'll give the left credit. Let me give the Democrats, the liberals, the progressives. They get credit because for the past four years, they were telling us all these things were going to happen. Now, they were wrong about who was going to cause it, but they've been telling us for years food shortages are coming, gas prices are going up, unemployment's going to be through the roof, everybody's going to be struggling. And they were right. It just took about uh, eight months, nine months longer than they expected it to take. But they hit the nail on the head. A record-breaking 100 ships were reported to be anchored off the port of Los Angeles and the port of Long Island or Long Beach as of Tuesday as the cargo crisis continued. The major backlog of container ships at the port of Los Angeles and Long Beach is the worst it's ever been with 100 ships waiting to enter and unload as of Tuesday. This is from KABC7. That number breaks last month's record of 97 vessels. To put it into context, there would typically be about 17 ships at anchor in pre-pandemic times. The two Southern California ports amount for 40% of all shipping containers entering the U.S. The backlog is only going to get worse with another 45 ships expected to arrive at the ports by Thursday. So we could see... Somewhere around 130 ships that are anchored. Imagine being one of the captains or, or the crew members of one of the boats that maybe has just left, say, China or wherever, bringing the, bring the cargo over, knowing that this is what's waiting on them, knowing that they're about to pull up to a drive through where 100 people are in front of them. It's not a quick process either. Think about it. 17 ships a day is all they could do, right? And we've got 100 in line and more coming. It's going to get bad. It's going to get bad. And we haven't fully seen the effects of this stuff, of the fact that these goods are not making their way into this country, but we will. It takes it a minute. When things like this happen, it takes a little bit for it to catch up and hit us, the average Americans, the middle class, if you will. But it will. You're talking about not just food, not just toys for Christmas or uh, uh, iPhones or whatever. You're talking about everything from components to cars to raw materials that are used to, to build things, to build structures, buildings, hospitals. 
This stuff is important stuff. We're not getting cargo ships or just items of convenience. It's stuff that's going to affect literally everything. And the White House seems to have no plan whatsoever in getting it fixed. Jen Psaki was asked about it today. It was either today or yesterday. And she had somewhat of a fairly shocking answer. I want you to listen to this response she gave to this reporter at the briefing. And, um, I just want to follow up on, on the supply chain that you just said was, uh, you were seeing some serious progress on that front. So a couple of questions yeah. um, there. So the Port of Long Beach yesterday saw this new record broken, 100 vessels at anchor waiting to enter. Normally pre-COVID, they're seeing 17 ships, uh, give or take, at anchor. Is the president satisfied today on where things stand? The president is satisfied that progress continues to be made. And one of the reasons that uh, there has been uh, so much traffic uh, in a lot of these ports is because there are more goods that are being ordered by people across the country. People have more uh, money, expendable resources. Uh, their wages are up. More people are working than they were a year ago. Uh, and if you, and port to port, it's different. But statistically, some of these ports have 20%, 30% increased volume as a result of that. And the reporter had no interest in, in pushing back on that. But she says what we're seeing, what we're seeing is a good thing. What it means is we all have more money. There's more of us working. If you don't count the 11 million people that aren't working, of course. But it's a good thing. We've got a lot of items. People are buying stuff like crazy. We got to just so so it's not according to her if her logic is correct and sound. We won't be in trouble because nothing's really changed. We've got the stuff that we need. We're just getting extra stuff in. So then we should see no effect on food, on building materials, on on anything. The the, the the price of, of, of the the cost of inflation. It's just bizarre. It just came out of nowhere. So we'll be fine. We got what we need. This is all just extra bonus stuff. These are bonus goods, according to the White House. <laughs> she was also asked um, about Pete Buttigieg, who decided to take uh, maternity leave. Maternity, paternity whatever, and what they did to create a point man during Pete's absence. Because obviously this is not a new crisis. It's been going on. It was going on before Mayor Pete left for his little vacation with his husband and his two new kids. So who is the point man? What, what did we do to make sure... Pete's job was still being executed when he left for vacation. First off, Secretary Buttigieg, given the seriousness of the the the, the supply chain crisis and the, the multiple issues that you outlined, wouldn't it be wise for the secretary to get back on the bicycle, so to speak, and come back to work? A new poll found that 65% of voters think that given what's going on, he should come back to work. He's at work. He's on paternity leave. Uh, I was on a conference call with him this morning. He's in, he's in the department now, every day. 
Listen, Emerald, I think what you're getting at here is this question about whether uh, men, parents, uh, women should have paternity and maternity leave. And the answer is absolutely yes. In our view, that is the policy of this administration. That is what we're pressing to make law. So it's a yeah, it has nothing to do with the crisis that we have on our hands. It's got everything to do with whether or not the man should be able, and I'm assuming that in Mayor Pete and his husband's relationship, he's the man and she's the female. He's the female, whatever. <laughs> I'm, assuming, I'm assuming that. But what Jinsaki is saying that, this isn't about the crisis. This is about people attacking Mayor Pete for taking maternity leave. And I call him Mayor Pete because he, he doesn't deserve to be called Secretary Pete or whatever we call the transportation secretary. I don't even know. But people are just attacking him for taking time off. I was on a call with, we were talking to him. So everything's fine. He's still doing his job. The reality for well, then who's feeding the babies? For women, parents, fathers uh, across the country. I think it's sexist that you would force Mayor Pete to work while he's on maternity leave. Has anybody ever heard of that? Anybody? Anybody ever heard of somebody going on maternity leave with a newborn, much less two newborns, and still being forced to work? Has anybody ever done that on maternity leave? No, of course not. And we're not going to back away from that. This is a little different job than a lot of, and as one of my colleagues. What? Y'all look at this ad. This keeps throwing this ad at me. <laughs> it always catches me off guard. Anyway. We knew the supply chain issues were coming. Um, well, Emerald, just to be clear, uh, we are quite confident in the capabilities, the talents of the civil servants, the leadership at the Department of Transportation, just are, as we are at companies uh, across the country where women, men take maternity and paternity leave. I took 12 weeks of maternity leave when I was the White House communications director. and I We wish you'd take about four years of maternity leave at this point. I'm great. Because you're straight up insulting not just these reporters in the room, which... It's got to be tough to insult them, but insulting the entire country who's watching this stuff go down at their kitchen table, and you seem so disconnected. You are either completely disconnected, or you do not care if Americans starve and end up homeless. Grateful to former President Obama for that and for leadership at the time for that. This is something men, women should have. They should have this time to bond with their children. Not going to apologize from that for, for that from here. And certainly uh, we are uh, able to get the job done for the American people in the That's interim. On that topic, who is the, the point person? Who is the main person in charge in his paternity leave? There are a range of officials leading different components of the Department of Transportation, including the chief of staff, the deputy secretary. So there was no point person is what she trying to say and what she's also saying is that uh if you are a parent that did not take paternity leave when you had a child that you never bonded with your kid you weren't able to be a good parent because you kept on working it's amazing how we've been able to pull this off for decades and decades in a two-parent household for the dad to be able to go to work 
and still raise a child? How have we been able to do it for this long? If it's such a requirement now that the transportation secretary has to take it, even though there's one of the biggest economical crises that we've seen in a long time. But it's that vital. He's got to bond with his kids. I know your kids may be starving, but he's got to bond with his kids. And which is, yeah, we're just going to put it on hold for a couple weeks. Mayor Pete's got to bond. He's to bond with his kid. <laughs> crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Uh, Brian says it does not affect them, and that's why they don't care. That's exactly right. They are in this bubble in Washington, D.C. But I'm seeing reports out of D.C. of people that live there are starting to be like, what the... What, what what's what's with the food prices? And if you're in the D.C. bubble and you're getting pissed off about the same things we get pissed off about, then something's bad wrong. Something is real bad wrong. And they're seeing it. Everybody's seeing it. And the Democrats know this is an absolute disaster for them. But their management of this has been horrendous. They're shooting themselves in the foot. They are so concerned with pushing this extreme liberal agenda that they can't even perform the standard functions of the government. They can't get the government. Think about this. All right, the, the pandemic's unprecedented, right? Absolutely unprecedented. So this is new territory for an incoming administration. But it's Joe. He's been in it for a long time. He knows what he's doing. All the people that he hired for his staff, most of them have been in it for a minute. I said a rhyme right there. So even though this is uncharted waters, they know enough about government to handle this. But it turns out they don't. Because they have been pushed by their party to go after and conquer the extreme left policies. That was agenda number one because they've only got two years to do it before they risk losing the House and losing the Senate. So when it comes to COVID and the shortages and prices going up and inflation... That's all important, but we've got to get our policies through. We've got to get irreversible leftist extremist policies to be the law of the land because we might not have that chance in two years. And that has taken their eye off the ball of the normal functions of the U.S. government. They know that and they don't care. Because they've got the media running cover, running interference for them. That's why she's so shocked every time she gets a tough question from these people. Because it's rare. It's very rare. But they know as long as the soapbox of the media has got their back, they don't have to worry about it. That's why Joe doesn't worry about the fact 
that even though his family is riddled with corruption, that his crackhead Parmesan-smoking son is corrupt, he don't have to worry about it. He does not have to worry about it. We literally found out that Joe Biden and Hunter Biden shared a friggin' bank account. If they, if they may still share one. So as Hunter Biden's running around smoking crack, banging hookers, and doing whatever else, he's doing it from a Joe Biden bank account. Now tell me, what about that is acceptable in any sense of the word? And the media says nothing. ABC, CBS, NBC, they reported, you know how many seconds they did on this particular story? Zero. They did zero seconds of reporting. And really, initially, the way we found this stuff out was the Hunter Biden laptops. Facebook wouldn't even let you send that story in a private message. The oldest publication in, in, in the country, the New York Post, was banned on Twitter for even reporting something that turned out to be very, very true. The establishment networks have ignored that Joe Biden may be embroiled in the FBI's ongoing investigation of Hunter Biden's finances. The FBI is investigating Hunter Biden. I have no confidence in the FBI. Absolutely none. But this investigation will lead them straight back to the White House. This indicates Hunter and Joe have shared a bank account. The bank account may be connected to Hunter's illicit activities. In one exchange, Hunter alleged uh, Hunter alleges he and his father were both using the same bank account. New York Post reporting this in July. They say documents on the laptop suggest a mingling of Joe's finances with Hunter's. In an email on April 12, 2018, to his assistant, Katie Dodge, Hunter complains that he has been shut out of one of his Will Fargo's bank accounts. He said, too many cooks in the kitchen, too many profile changes and such. Happened 10 days ago. My dad has been using most lines on his account, which I've thoroughly and gracious, which I've through, a, through the gracious offerings of Eric have paid for the past 11 years. So Hunter says he's been shut out of the bank account that he and his dad were using, and he's been paying for his dad's stuff. The RNC also reported the establishment media have ignored three additional stories about Hunter's corrupt business schemes. Those include the following. New emails reveal Hunter Biden asked for $2 million plus for, or $2 million plus success fees to help unfreeze Libyan assets. Joe Biden's brother-in-law asked Hunter Biden to help him secure a business license in China. We talked about that. And Hunter Biden sold five art prints to anonymous buyers for $750,000 a pop. 
And we are not allowed to know who bought those paintings. We cannot know. Because transparency, right? (laughs) The president has a crackhead, a crackhead's name on his bank account, and that crackhead is selling paintings for tens of thousands of dollars to anonymous buyers, and nobody in the country is interested to know who that is? How is that possible? How is this even possible? CNN, a stat for you on the reporting of this story, CNN actually mentioned Dog the Bounty Hunter more than (laughs) Crackhead the Hunter. Dog the Bounty Hunter more than, uh, let me see the numbers on this. Somebody, let's see. According to the RNC, Dog the Bounty Hunter has been mentioned eight times while the president's son, who reportedly sold five paintings in October for 75 grand each to anonymous investors, was mentioned zero times. So, at least Dog the Bounty Hunter is getting some play on CNN. But the hunter that's a crackhead, not so much. And who's to say that they ever will? The media is starting to be put in a position where they're having to acknowledge Americans hate Joe Biden. They can come cover up all the FJB, all the let's go Brandon chats they want. But people genuinely hate this guy. And you know why they can't do it? You know, it'd be easy for them to say, okay, we got a president that nobody likes. We, we got to report on it. We got to report that he's really screwing up, and some of them are doing it. But they can't do it because they would then be admitting they were wrong that the 2020 election was the most secure election of all time. They would basically have to admit that they were wrong about Joe Biden actually getting 81 million votes because they know. It's not possible. They know Joe Biden could not acquire 81 million votes and be this hated nine months in. Joe Biden got millions and millions of more votes than the first black president. The same America that voted for a black president voted in even larger numbers for a guy with a very creepy and very racist past. And it's not like his racism was hidden like Hunter's crack addiction. The racism was on the Senate floor. The racism was was there for everybody to see. You could still go to YouTube and watch it. Racist policies that people would be strung up for if they mentioned them today. The public would not put up. You take five policies from Joe Biden in the the early 90s. Just five. He'd be done. He'd be he'd be canceled if he were in any other position. If he were a senator, a congressman, if he were an actor, if he was a TV show host, he'd be done. He'd be canceled in no time. 
But instead, those that operate under cancel culture are busy defending this racism, defending this sexual assault, defending unsolicited touching and sniffing and groping. That's why nobody buys into their stuff. The hypocrisy is thick. These are also the same people that tell you you need to um, uh, get a vaccine to be able to do anything in society. And if you don't get a vaccine, they pretty much wish death upon you. And if you do happen to die, trust me, they'll rail on you in the comments of an MSNBC post. Check that out next time. Next time CNN, MSNBC, anybody post a uh, an article, a story about an unvaccinated person dying from COVID. See how many comments you can find in there that are just like, oh, this is awful. I'm so sorry to hear this. Thoughts and prayers. You won't find many of them. Most of them are, oh, that's what you get. It's a tough lesson, but that's the price you pay. Hopefully people will learn from this. They love it. Not since ISIS have I seen a group of people be so quick to celebrate the death of another human being. A human being that they don't know. An average human being. But they do it. Also, speaking of COVID, the FDA is uh, making moves on your Booster shots. Hope everybody's ready. They are allowing a mix and match of the booster shots for COVID. So in other words, if you got the J&J, you don't necessarily have to get the J&J booster shot. You can get the Moderna. You can get the Pfizer. However you want to do it. Just a little mix and match. Doesn't that sound exciting? Doesn't that sound fun? Mix and match my COVID shots. I guess they all decided that they're making so much money at this point, it doesn't really matter with the booster shots. And like, eh, just get whatever you want. Those people are filthy rich anyway. They accomplished their mission. Which was what? Infecting a country that they would later have a cure for. That was the objective. Look in the ties of Dr. Anthony Fauci and Dr. Anthony Fauci's wife. Look at how we funded the Wuhan lab that created this virus and released it upon the world. You start tying things together and you really start asking yourself, how premeditated was this? Who benefited from COVID? Well, Anthony Fauci did. He's a god now. Joe Biden did. Joe Biden, the Democrats, they absolutely benefited from it. Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson. They may have been beneficiaries of, of, uh, of all time. Why did those that are in those positions, how, how do they end up benefiting the most? It makes you wonder. But just remember, you can't actually ask questions about that. 
you will uh, you'll be silenced. So you just you question it in your head. You just can't repeat it. You it won't be long before you can't question it in your own head. So enjoy it while you can. Um, the White House also unveiling their plan, and this is the best one yet. Their plan to vaccinate 28 million kids ages 5 to 11. 28 million kids. They're going to vaccinate. And that probably translates, if I had to guess, into forcing public schools to mandate that vaccine in order for these children to go to school. That's what I see them doing. And my kid, who is only 11 years old for a little longer, is not getting the vaccine. My kid has no reason to get the vaccine, just as I don't have a reason to get a vaccine. But they'll be vaccinating him over my dead body. I've already got beef with the people on a local level. This stupid mask mandate impeded a school district is about to cause me to cause a scene. I'm waiting back on word from these guys as to, hey, what's your excuse? What is your excuse for allowing this to go as far as it's gone? I need to know. Because I'm about to be done with it. I'm going to be done with it because, and if you watched Friday Night Live two weeks ago, I had Peter D on here, we kind of talked about it. But these kids are yelled at, screamed at, for taking their mask off for two seconds just to get a breath of fresh air. They go to PE. They do all this running, moving around in their mask. These masks, by the way, absolutely nasty. Kids aren't clean creatures. And likely most of them are wearing the same mask every single day. Wearing the mask are dangerous for these kids. But P. Diddy's got one teacher that is now telling the kids that their grades will drop if this teacher sees them with their mask below their nose. If your mask drops down below your nose, you're going to get, from what they were told yesterday, 0.5% is going to be taken off your grade. And each time it happens, it's another half percent. Until we can just obliterate your grade and fail you. Now let's keep in mind, y'all don't know this, I hadn't explained it yet, but the teacher that has made this rule does not wear a mask. She does not wear a mask because she said, well, she's vaccinated, so she doesn't have to wear a mask while yelling and screaming at these children. She also tells the children, hey, you need to get vaccinated. Your parents need to vaccinate, get you vaccinated. And so Papa Bear here is about to get ready to have some words. We'll start with the school itself and then move to the school district. Move to the Board of Education. I'll run for uh, a seat on the school board if I have to. 
I'll go down there when they're voting and say, all right, I need each candidate. Raise your hand if you are going to end this mask mandate. And whoever raises their hands, you got my vote. I don't care what else you're doing. Get rid of the stupid mask rule. It's causing more problems. It's not helping the health of these kids. If you think it is, you're an absolute idiot. And it's got to go. We're watching the same thing. I saw a story. I think this is out of Colorado where uh, parents are, in fact, doing just that. They're running for their local school boards and they're looking to change not just COVID policies, but a lot of policies going from critical race theory, teaching these kids racism, uh, the sexually explicit books that they're finding in their libraries. A slate of political novices in Douglas County, Colorado, told Fox News that divisive school board politics and COVID-19 protocols prompted them to get their names on the ballot for the next month's school board elections. One lady by the name of Christy Williams said, Never in my life did I think I would ever run for any office, but I'm to the point where it's time to stand up and take our school district back. In two weeks, the Douglas County residents head to the polls. Three other candidates will join Williams on the kids' first slate. Together, they seek to defeat the Teacher Federation backed by Community Matters, which includes incumbent board member Christina Holtzman and Kevin Lang, blah, 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 whoever. I don't know. Don't know who those people are. But the point being is this is the kind of stuff that's going to have to happen. It, it's easy for us to go, yeah, we live in Alabama, you know. We're not, we're, we're immune from those things, you know. We're, we're nobody's going to teach critical race theory in our schools. Maybe even said that about a mask mandate. Went up, we don't buy into the mask stuff. But it'll be here before you know it. And my question to you is, as a parent, are you going to step up? to do what's right for your kid and everybody else's kids. You don't have to run for school board, but you just can't sit silently while they abuse our kids with these mask rules. My kid wearing a mask all day, every day for eight hours goes against what benefits his health. You're making him sicker you are not protecting him. And if your school in any way is making your kid more sick by a useless policy, aren't you going to say something? Aren't you going to stand up for your kid? Because your kid can't do anything. Your kid just gets bossed around and yelled at at school. Your kid just wants to stay out of trouble and be able to breathe fresh air. So are you going to stand up? That's something you you guys need to think about. Also, with the vaccines, it's like you gotta get your kid vaccinated. We're seeing more and more breakthrough cases with those that have been vaccinated, and I don't have to reiterate where I stand on whether or not you got the vaccine. The vaccine's fine. Get the vaccine. It adds an extra layer of protection. But it's important to note, 
as people force it down your throat and tell you you have to get it, a layer of protection doesn't mean complete protection and actually is nowhere close to complete protection. We just saw Colin Powell pass away due to COVID-19 complications. He was fully vaccinated. We're now seeing those in the White House that are vaccinated having these breakthrough cases. Like DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. He has tested positive for breakthrough coronavirus case. And I don't know why we, why do we have to call it a breakthrough like it's something like it's a different virus. It's the same virus. You may not get as sick as you would have had you not got the vaccine. But why are we pretending it's a different virus? It's the same virus that acts the same way, spreads the same way. But we want to just fluff it up a little bit because he did. He was a good boy and he got his vaccine. Colin Powell, Alejandro Mayorkas, and also Fox News host Neil Cavuto, who has his vaccine and has as well tested positive for COVID-19. Point being, quit forcing people to get a vaccine. Start asking people, have you contracted the virus before you go off and attack them about not being vaccinated? Before you put them in a box saying, you're a QAnon, Trump insurrectionist, anti-vaxxer, why don't you just ask them why they won't get the vaccine? A lot of people will tell you, well, it's because I have seven times better protection than you do from the vaccine. I've caught COVID. And everybody I've seen that has contracted COVID all the way up until 15 months after the fact still have strong antibodies. Why would you take the risk of some sort of complication from the vaccine if you're already protected from the virus? Why? We've seen, I've seen reports of thousands of deaths from the vaccine that obviously they want to cover up. Several side effects, detrimental, very detrimental to people. But that's going to happen when you take a medicine that was created in eight months and you throw it on the entire public. That will happen. But why, if you're protected from the virus, would you risk being another one of those statistics? There's no point. But the left and the Corona bros, they don't care. They need you to do as they did in virtue signal with your vaccine. That's why I don't trust people that still to this day have the I got my COVID-19 vaccine border around their profile picture on Facebook. I don't trust you. I just don't. I can't. Can you earn my trust back? No, probably not. Probably not. I'll probably never trust you. It's just there's there's some red flags on people that I can't shake. That's one of them. Uh, Nick Rolovich 
has been a victim of this as well. Cancel culture of the vaccine type, I guess we could call it. He was uh, the Washington State head football coach, and he was canned for being unvaccinated. And now he's firing back from getting fired and suing the school. He said, um, let's see. He was fired Monday night by the university after he refused to get vaccinated in accordance with the state's mandate. And it's been the highest profile vaccine related firing in all of sports by far. According to Pete Thamel, Rolovich's lawyer released a statement announcing that the former head coach of the Cougars is is taking legal action against Washington State for his illegal termination. Furthermore, Rolovich has accused A.D. Pat Chun of discriminatory and vindictive behavior. So there's that. That's what you get from the vaccine crowd, not from people that have been vaccinated, but the overly pro-vaccine people. Discriminatory and vindictive behavior is what you get from that. And I'm going to be honest, uh, Rolovich, this coach, he shouldn't have been fired for this, but he should have been fired for allowing Jared Garantano to transfer to his program, who Jared Garantano is possibly the worst quarterback in college football history. He was at Tennessee last year. He's the absolute worst. He should have been fired for allowing that transfer to happen. But, you know, science. we got to trust the science. Fauci says, trust the data. Trust the data. (laughs) But science comes and it goes. The follow the science mantra comes and it goes. Much like... Much like, I said my stream was disconnected. Is that what happened? I don't even know. Um, <clears throat> much like Rachel Levine. You know Rachel Levine as the openly transgender head of the uh, HHS, Health and Human Services. She's actually been sworn in as the first openly transgender four-star admiral. And when I saw that, it caught me off guard because I'm not up to date on how the whole HHS thing works and and medical ad public health admirals and all that stuff. I just saw a four-star admiral, and I'm like, what the? What is going on here? It's like we're in bizarro land. U.S. Assistant Health Secretary Dr. Rachel Levine became the first openly transgender four-star officer in the uniformed services on Tuesday after she was sworn in as the first female four-star admiral of the U.S. Public Health Service Commission Corps. The Department of Health and Human Services announced Tuesday that Levine was ceremonially sworn in as a four-star admiral, making her the highest-ranking official in the commission corps and leading 6,000 public health service officers. Follow the science. 
Unless it's biology. Unless it's got to do with chromosomes or hormones or any of that. Reproductive organs. That's not science. That's not real science. Anyway, you shouldn't be surprised by that. Something's got to be done, though, to bring this back around. Something has to be done about what our children are going through. Because it's becoming unacceptable. It's already become unacceptable. This has to be put to an end by parents like you and I. The more that every day that goes by, the more infuriated I become over this issue. They made them wear the masks initially when they came back to school from COVID. Then they started a new school year without masks. A handful of kids caught COVID, didn't really get sick, definitely didn't go to the hospital, definitely didn't die. And then they put the mask back on. You would think, okay, it's going to be like a two-week deal. Which I was going to be... I was going to save the drama if it was going to be a two-week deal. And then it was a three-week deal. There was a four-week deal. It was like five and six weeks now. And they're still wearing masks. Kids were catching COVID, even though they were wearing the mask. And now... You've got Gestapo-like teachers taking away grades. Taking away grades from these children who happen to have their masks slip under their nose. You as an adult know your masks slip under your nose. It just happens. But that's unacceptable. Just as the mask wearing in general is unacceptable. And something's got to be done about it. I'm out of here, guys. That's it for this edition of Over the Line. I appreciate you guys for hanging out. Make sure you comment, you like, you share, you do whatever it is you need to do to get this video and this show rolling. Until next time, see you, cuz.